0: The EHA plenary sessions cover a range of topics of particular importance and provide an overview of the most relevant developments. Today we'll focus on one of those plenary topics, iron homeostasis in host defense and inflammation. This is EHA 2019 and I welcome Ella Nemeth who's been around in the field of iron homeostasis for quite some years now, therefore making her a preeminent person to help us understand the many roles of iron in our bodies. Welcome to you and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So um Ella, what fascinates you most about this field and keeps you excited and motivated?
1: Um, science in general it really motivates me. So any field would have been of interest. But iron field is actually particularly exciting because it covers really broad, broad range of fields. So you can study very basic mechanisms of cellular function or mitochondrial bioenergetics, or you can study you can study iron within nephrology, hematology, hepatology. So um, really broad exposures to many different disciplines.
0: So it's a route into lots of different areas. Yes, and yeah.
1: meetings are very exciting and diverse
0: yes, I bet. And um, I've come across this term nutritional immunity. Can you tell us a bit about that? What does that mean? Yes,
1: it's um, Actually, there is a battle between host and a microbe for nutrients and iron is one such essential nutrient because both microbe and a host need it and host uses certain mechanisms to withhold iron from microbes and um, that would slow down microbial growth and that is all of those mechanisms that would withhold essential nutrients from microbe are called nutritional immunity.
0: Interesting and, and to what extent are pathogens equally sensitive to iron?
1: There's actually a diversity of sensitivity of pathogens to iron and That is still being worked out, it's a puzzle, but it seems to be different evolutionary adaptations to niches. So some microbes have adapted to niches where there's not much iron, and they have evolved many different mechanisms to acquire such iron, but it actually costs them a lot metabolically. They need to expend a lot of energy in order to um, pursue iron. So one type of pathogen has followed that evolutionary strategy. It's metabolically costly, but they can survive in low iron environments. Other kinds of pathogens can mostly thrive in iron-rich environments, and they have dispensed with metabolically costly mechanisms, but that's why they can survive in iron-poor environments, and they thrive in iron-rich environments. So microbes have actually diversified to adapt to different niches.
0: And, and thinking about you know, iron-sensitive pathogens, are there any, and can, can they be targeted?
1: Absolutely. So the iron-sensitive pathogens, the best-known ones are the ones that affect Patients with iron overload, and these are very dramatic infections. They can be highly lethal. Um, The typical one is Vibrio vulnificus, which is a pathogen that grows in warm coastal waters and it's present in raw seafood. Healthy patients or healthy subjects are not susceptible to infections, severe infections with this pathogen. But iron overloaded patients actually um, can develop very severe infections, sepsis and lethality is close to 50% when they're infected with this. And that's why hereditary hemochromatosis patients are advised not to eat raw seafood because they're highly susceptible to this pathogen. And there are a few others that specifically affect patients with iron overload. Um, And now we're actually starting to understand that gram-negative pathogens probably in general are the ones that can thrive in iron-rich environments.
0: It's very interesting about the, the, the seafood and the, the hemochromatosis. I'd I've, I've heard of that, but I never knew the reason behind it. Um, and, and moving on from that, can you tell us a bit about iron and its role in adaptive immunity?
1: Yes, this is actually a recent development. The understanding of how iron modulates adaptive immunity has just emerged. It actually turns out that if you mutate, there are several families with the mutation in a receptor that takes up iron into cells, And the outcome of that is that patients develop severe uh, immune deficiency because B cells and T cells that are involved in adaptive immunity cannot expand. There's no clonal expansion because they need a lot of iron for rapid proliferation. And so patients with that mutation ended up having a serious disease because they could not expand B and T cells. And based on this, there is now actually an expansion of studying of uh, adaptive immunity, and it turns out... At a recent meeting just a a month ago, there were a couple of reports that have connected iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia to poor response to immunizations and then later infections.
0: Okay. And and so tell us a little bit about hepcidin.
1: So hepcidin is actually the key iron regulatory hormone, and it plays a role in iron metabolism in the same way that insulin plays a role in glucose metabolism. So hepcidin is the master regulator of iron homeostasis. So it ensures that plasma iron levels are going to be balanced and the total body iron is going to be balanced. But it is also exquisitely regulated by infections and inflammation. So during infections, hepcidin, the master regulator, is dramatically induced. And that ensures that there's not going to be excess iron during infection that pathogens can use.
0: So are there any clinical applications that you can see hepcidin being helpful in?
1: Yes, so uh, patients that are at high risk for developing these um, sidrophilic infections or infections with pathogens that are sensitive to excess iron those patients could actually benefit from hepcidin treatment, exogenous hepcidin treatment and the spectrum of disorders um, where that, that are at high risk of developing these sidrophilic pathogens include uh, patients with hereditary hemochromatosis, chronic liver disease or patients treated with chemotherapy or for bone marrow ablation for transplantation because those patients also actually have excess iron in plasma. And so all the, there's a spectrum of disorders that could actually benefit from treatment with hepcidin.
0: And in, in, in actual real life clinical practice, where, where are we at with that? There
1: thinking? are actually multiple efforts to develop hepcidin mimetics. Um, some of them are actually in phase two trials for a different disease to control iron overloaded metathalemia so far is the primary indication, but um, we will soon have hepcidin in clinic, and then it could be tested for prevention of these infections.
0: That sounds uh, really, really encouraging. Thank you so much. Well, our time is up, but I have to admit, hearing all this, I do understand where Ella's passion for iron is coming from. I hope you agree, and thank you for watching this EHA expert interview. Bye for now.